my old friend Ryle is here. What's up, Ryle? How are you? Hey, Rishike. All good. All back to basics. Fingers crossed. Lots happening. Lots happening, especially the book. And for the very first time on the show, it's Vandana Saxena Poria. And the reason she's on is that wonderful book. For those of you who are seeing a bit of this on video, it is Let Me Hijack Your Mind, Restart Your Life with Freedom. Alec Padamsi, the great and late Alec Padamsi with Vandana. It's a Penguin Random House, uh, Penguin Viking publication. It is out on all on-ground as well as online stores. You ought to go and get yourself a copy. Vandana, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I want to start with your association with Alec. That's something I don't need to ask Ryle about. <laughs> but <laughs> when did you first meet the great man? When did conversations start? And when did you think that this could take the structure of a book? Gosh, it was nothing like that. I met him by chance. He was coming to have lunch with a mutual friend. And Ryle was there as well, weren't you? Ryle, you were there and Chazan was there. And we all piled into this friend's, this mutual friend's apartment. And I, I knew that I was meeting him and I'd heard so much about him. Growing up in the UK, I'd seen him play Jinnah in Gandhi. And I'd heard about all the adverts. I'd seen some of the adverts and I was kind of in awe of this, this man who seemed to be able to do everything. And I had the opportunity to just have lunch with him. And while we were having lunch, he started asking me about my life. I was asking him about his. We hit on a point that we both agreed on. And that is in the world today, you know, pretty much 80% of history, science, religion has been written, no offense, by men and about men. And if that had always been 80% female, could it have looked differently? So we started having this very interesting futuristic conversation. And he said, you need to come and see me when you're in Bombay. And I was like, I'd love to see you. And then we just used to meet up and we used to chat and we'd both go into the conversations having had really busy days and we'd both be really tired. And by the end of it, we would be so animated. And I think it was... A couple of months after that, Alex said, you know, I have a book in me. It is definitely not a biography. I don't want to do anything like that. But I want to leave something. I want to do something for, you know, the youth of India. Will you help me write it? And like before, I, I was just like, sure. And I was like, Vandana, what are you saying? <laughs> it was just like, this is Alex Padamsi. Oh, my goodness. But it was just sure because I was so committed to the ideas that he had. And that's where it all started. That's wonderful. And I like the fact that Ronnie Screwwell has written an introduction to this book, Ryle, and that's where I want you to come in. So many people who owe their linkages to the theatre, courtesy your wonderful parents, Pearl and Alec, and of course you now. And I imagine Ronnie is an old acquaintance or friend from the theatre. <laughs> You said it right, Rishike. So Ronnie, you know, started his life actually in the theatre. And he worked so much with my mother in so many plays, of course, with daddy. And I think they did Mashur Mahal together, you know, one of the first television programs. And Ronnie produced it through his UTV. And daddy was, you know, the one who commissioned the whole thing. So I think all of it started from that time on. And um, of course, there's so many people from the theater who are, you know, involved in the book in some way or the other. And, um, you know, there's Baba Nirani, there's, of course, Sham Abdava, there's Kabir Bedi, all kinds of, Shabana Azmi, and uh, not to forget our dear friend Shashi Tharoor, and, of course, Gurcharan Das. So, you know, Dad worked with so many people across the board, 
And it's so lovely because it's such, you know, come from such diverse backgrounds. And they all got drawn into and gravitated towards the theater. Yeah, and that's why his life is such a tribute to not just theater, but advertising and wisdom in general. And, you know, I was thinking about this. In fact, I thought of this day before yesterday night because I was I landed in, in Mumbai. I made a flight in from Bangalore and I come out and the first person I see even before my family is Q, Kwasa, because uh, Kwasa yeah. and Thoral had just come back from Goa and, you know, they had also landed and things like that. And I was right. thinking, you know, that when I see the the joie de vivre in, in Rael, in Q, in Shazan, this, this wonderful extended family, you know that a lot of it just stems from what Alec was. But, Vandana, I have to ask you, mm. a lot of it also started with Alec, as far as Alec was concerned, with shock value. Because mm. the very first chapter, which is, I never, I would never sleep with a stranger unless it was my husband. He talks about going to Calcutta in one of those Tony clubs. You know, if, if all of us have been to Calcutta, I mean, here there's a Bombay gym and there's a Willingdon, but in Calcutta, the, every nook and cranny has one. And how he addressed a meeting of ladies and he kind of, of shocked them. And that's where this, this chapter comes from. And I'd, I leave you to tell the tale. Yeah, it was it's so interesting. So Alec had gone to one of these hoity-toity kind of clubs with all these women dripping in their gold jewelry and beautiful Calcutta saris. And uh, he started by saying, how many of you would just have sex with a stranger? And they're like, Mr. Badamsi, how can you say such things? Oh, my goodness. No, 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 no. Only those American women, you know, divorcees, they do that kind of thing. Not, not us. And then a little while later, he says, how many of you have had arranged marriages or are doing arranged marriages for your kids? And then the penny dropped. He's like, how is that any different? You know, you, you tell your kids don't have sex with strangers and then you go and tell them to sleep with somebody that they've just met or very recently met. And uh, there was uproar, as you can imagine. And, and he was politely asked never to come back again. But he, <laughs> he says, you know, there are so many hypocrisies in the world. There are all these social norms that we've created. And we've effectively outsourced our thinking to them. You know, we agree with what society says, we must behave this way or that way, or we've got to follow religion, or we've got to follow the government, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So where are we kind of thinking for ourselves? Does this serve us? Does this work? That's wonderful. And Ryle, this is something that you instinctively know about your dad, that he believed in the power of what he called Yangistan. And that comes up very regularly, at least in the initial part of the book. And you mentioned about how at the age of 18, he got you a car. And I'd like you to complete that story, which ties in with what Yangistan is all about. The future of the nation has got to be in the hands of young people, as opposed to, you know, the fuddy-duddies using Alex's words, <laughs> that it is currently in the hands of. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Rishike, you know, he sent me off to work, actually, at the age of 16. He said, there's no way you're going to while away your time in the canteen at the college. You have to make sure that you're gainfully employed and you're learning something. So, at 16, he made, I joined Western Outdoor, actually, you know, with Ronnie and the gang. And uh, yeah, so that was, he started me off very young. He made sure that, you know, there was no way I was not going to be economically independent. He made sure that I never took up arts as a degree, that I had to do commerce. I had 
to go down, you know, learning the MBA and going down all the commercial requirements because he was very keen that I started my own business and, you know, followed in my grandmother's footsteps. He was actually not somebody who had his own business. He worked for Lintas and many other uh, agencies, but uh, he was so keen. And I think that whole, you know, very important idea of economic independence for girls, you know, started with putting his money where his mouth was and making sure his daughter, his first daughter, went out there, earned her living and, you know, stood on her own two feet, was not really dependent on her father or anybody else and made it on her own steam. So yes, at the age of 18, 17, he sent me off to driving school and 18, he bought me a car. So, you know, he said, I want you to be independent. I want you to be as uh, mobile as can be. I don't want you to be you know, really waiting for any, you know, anyone to give you a lift or, you know, being dependent in any way on anyone. So that was, that goes with the seeds. I think he sowed at a very young age. And um, thankfully, I really thank him for this because, you know, it, it, it helped me in great stead. At that time, all my friends were busy getting married and uh, that wasn't really the case for me. It was quite clear that I had to be economically independent. And, you know, like like we said at the top, some of these ideas, Vandana, very radical. But if you look at the, them, there's a, there's a deep underlying wisdom to them. For example, Alec meeting Anjali Damania, who's a social activist, who says that, why should I pay taxes? Because, you know, I'm not getting anything for my taxes. Mm-hmm. And then... He also questions the validity of marriage, saying that maybe you need a license. You should have a system of, you know, reassessing marriage every five years. And he has his reasons for not saying seven years and the seven-year age. So the comment I want from you is a lot of these things might have seemed radical, but they had the underlying wisdom. Uh, also, what he says, make way for the C question O as opposed to the CEO. So it was really interesting, Rishike, when we were kind of trying to work out what this book was about. And this is where we come back to the point that you've made about how each of the chapters is different and is getting us to really think about what we're looking for. What we noticed after doing, uh, I mean, it was 53 meetings and over 170 hours of conversation. Wow. And you know, the worst thing, we were saying this to someone else, that both Alec and I have ADHD. That means that attention deficit disorder, which means that we think and we talk really fast. So the equivalent of those 175 hours was actually multiplied by three, minimum, probably six. And we've got all the hours that we talked about. We transcribed myself and my team, Glenda, Yamini, and a few others. We transcribed all the conversations, we put all the ideas up on a board. And what came out very strongly is that human beings are unhappy because they don't feel love, safety and belonging. And anything that takes them away from that is going to make them insecure and act in ways that aren't really conducive for them or for other people, right? Get unhappy, get angry, etc etc get resentful get envious and he's just challenging all of those so what he's basically going in and saying with the marriage licenses there's nothing wrong with marriage let's get this correct you know you can still do your sadjanam or whatever you want what he's basically saying is put something in that means every five years you both independently objectively look at your marriage and say am i doing enough am i doing enough for the other person am i doing enough for myself And if we're not, 
then can we do enough? And if we really can't do enough to keep each other happy, then maybe we should be thinking about something else. So that was for each chapter. It wasn't just the shock value. Why are we following these things that don't serve us anymore? How can we do something about it? So with Anjali, exactly that. Why can't we create a taxpayers union? If each of us gives one rupee to a, you know, a non-governmental organization, we set up a charter which says that we refuse to pay tax unless our roads are built, we've got enough hospitals, etc, etc. In this day and age, Rishi K, we can do that. Maybe a thousand years ago, we couldn't. But in this day and age, with technology, with everything, we can do that. So this book isn't just let me hijack your mind from Alec Badamsi's point of view. He's saying people do something, you're capable, you're literate, you have access to technology, you have access to, to connections. He wants people to start movements to make changes. Are you is there a regret that perhaps the book didn't come out in his living years? For sure. Uh, yeah, you know, you would have liked to have a grand launch yeah. with Alec having spoken at this launch, you know, yeah. having his friends and family cutting the ribbon, opening the book. That will be a regret, isn't it? I mean, was the book not ready in time or were you just not prepared for him passing? I don't know. Tell it me. Was, it was a number of things. We, you know, the kind of book that this is, this book took three years in the three, four years in the making. Alec is such a big personality as you know, or I say is because for me, he's still here. There's photos around my place. You'll see him because he was like a godfather to me. Ryle, you know, you talk about the theatre world. But in addition to the theatre world, he he had the business world. He had Lintus. In addition to Lintus, he had so many social causes that he cared about the Dalit movement, you know, taxpayers, many, many other areas. See, he had not just a double life like his previous book. He had multiple lives. So when you're trying to bring all of that together in a book, it's going to take time. So when he passed, we had agreed all the major chapters, all the major information that was going to go into those chapters. No, we didn't know he was going to go. And then there was a whole six months of, I think, Ryle and myself and the family, because they've been so involved right from the beginning, so supportive. We just couldn't, it, I couldn't touch the book for more than six or eight months after he passed. And then Ryle came to me and said, look, daddy really wanted, well, you, you can say, Ryle, you know, what is it that you said to me at that stage about dad wanting the book out? Yeah. So my question was just that, and I'd like you to take it as to why, you know, it, it couldn't happen during his living years. And Mandana just answered that saying that it was voluminous and, you know, obviously nothing prepares you uh, for death. Uh, I wonder if we'll ever be prepared for it. What did you tell Vandana, Ryle, when you went back to her and said, you've got to do this book? Right. So really, we, you know, dad, I think he is, like she really said, is not was, is such a big personality and uh, we really wanted his legacy to live on. He wanted his legacy to live on. I think this is really his way of making sure that it does. I mean, you know, the ideas, etc. that had. And uh, I told Vandana that, you know, it's about time we pull up our socks and get rolling in his words and get and get it all up and running. Have to say it took the longest time. We've been back and forth on so many things because we were so conscious of the fact that it had to be his voice also, you know, uh, coming through the book in so many different ways. And, uh, you know, what were the chapters? I think that Mandana, you know, kind of honed in on what exactly he wanted to put in the book. And, you know, maybe there's space for another one, who knows? But let's see how this one kicks off. Because really, I think the ideas, you know, he always questioned the status quo, always wanted to know why, why, why is it like, you know, why can't it be in another way, which is 
more beneficial? Why do we have to get stuck in an old rut? Restart your life, you know, always throughout. If he did workshops with my children, do we teach? If he went into the NGO space and talked to them, if he talked to corporates across the world, if he talked to, you know, people in the theater again across the world and here, always challenging the status quo, always thinking of new ideas. In a lot of ways, Alec was about the family. I mean, if you look at it, the family, the extended family does come up on more than a few occasions in Let Me Hijack Your Mind. And I think it's a living tribute to the love that your wonderful mother, Pearl, him, the extended family share, that you were able to establish these bonds. And he, he does say in the book that your mother was very instrumental in doing that, you know, because she she reached out, you know, whether it's Sharon. Now, of course, you know, there's Q and you are so close to each other, what Shazan is, what Sharon is, is also defined a lot by, by what the family is. So I'd like you to talk about that. I mean, the value systems of, of you being this large, wonderful family with Alec as the head, the patriarch of the family. Yeah. So really, you know, he, he of course, coined the term as the new joint family. This is really, you know, it doesn't really matter who your parent might be. It's just if you believe in the same ideas, if you follow the same value systems, if you know that the intrinsic part of growing up is to be happy and absolutely give back, you know, that was his main, main, main funda in life, which was, you know, no matter what we do, it's really an accident of birth. And he said, you know, we're just bonus babies. I think that's also part of, uh, you know, yeah. the thing in the book, one of the chapters. And, um, you know, he made that very, very clear to all of us that whatever it is, we have to absolutely live in gratitude for A, the fact that we have the lives we have, B, that we have the family that we have. And, you know, he was obviously, like you said, the patriarch, but in many ways not because I think his children ruled him. Uh, <laughs> That's nice to know. <laughs> But, you know, he was very clear and, you know, for all birthdays and everything. And I think it, you're right. It did. And it has stemmed from my mother. She was very Jewish in her upbringing in terms of value systems, families, everything. Sit around the table. We must eat together. We must dine together, break bread together. Across the board, we've been doing that on, on you know, occasions like birthdays, all kinds of things. I think, yeah, I think dad in that sense has had a very... Uh, and he had a great family life, you know, when he was growing up. So he, there were eight kids, eight of them. So you can imagine there was a lot of filial bonding. And he, of course, you know, believed that Lintas was his family. He would make sure that, you know, each and every one was looked after, etc., etc. So I think it all stems from there. Obviously, it translated into his actual family life as well. And our whole extended family, which is huge. You know, we have the Sayanis, the Alkazis, the Jeffries, all of them. Riley, yeah. it, it reminds me of the chapter in the book of A Thousand Best Friends as well, where the journalist says to him, so Mr. Badamsi, how many people do you know really well? And he wrote back, it was an email, and he wrote back and he said, uh, a thousand. And the guy got on the phone with him. I said, you can't possibly know a thousand people. And he said, I do. Or I know all these characters, Romeo, Juliet. And he talked about all of those, all the characters. But then he talked about how he's got all these different families and they all come together and they enrich each other's lives. And the book also in that aspect is a self-help book, except that it's not told like regular self-help books are told, right. which is you put down 
so-called laws and their corollaries and things to follow. They stem from experience where he talks about his family, where he talks about his advertising days, working on campaigns. There's As You Like It, which is quoted in it. Would you agree with me when I say that? Because there are portions of it which are really deeply a self-help book. I mean, when you look at the new Ten Commandments and how he envisions how the world should be, to me, that is the epitome of self-help. And, you know, young people who are directionless, I'm sure we'll find a lot of direction. I don't know whether you wrote it like that at all. Did you intend it to be Vandana more biographical than life coaching? He did not want anything biographical. He said, look, people are fundamentally unhappy at the moment. Whichever direction you look in, people are unhappy. People who have money want to have more money. And he's got that great example in the book of meeting a Marwari at dinner, a really rich Marwari, I think like a billionaire. And he said, you know, what would you like to do? And the Marwari just said to him, I'd like to make more money. And why would you like to make more money? (laughs) Why would you like to make more money? Because I want to make more money. And he was like, but what do you want to do with the money? And he goes, make more money. So he was like, you know, so there are people like that. There are people that don't have who are deeply distressed that they don't have for, you know, correct reasons. Everyone deserves a decent living standard and to be treated equitably, not just equally, but equitably. There've been some real wrongs in our past, whether we talk about the Dalits or whether we talk about women or whether we talk about men for that incredible pressure to be the breadwinner, to not cry to go into STEM, you know, to be successful. So what he saw around him was a lot of unhappiness. And so the book, I mean, he never wanted it to be called self-help either. But ultimately, it's about developing yourself, evolving yourself. That was hijack and restart. Hijack and restart. Hijack and restart. Something that really stayed with me. I think, Vandana, if you have, you want to read some of the Ten Commandments. I think it's so... Yeah, that'll be a nice one, you know, because we don't want to give too much of the book away because we want all of you to go and buy the book. So the idea is to just tease you the right amount because if we tell you about all the things in all the chapters, why would (laughs) you go out and buy it? And it's imperative (laughs) that you go and buy it because, you know, this is a book that you'll really enjoy. It's a lot of fun and it has insights, like I said, put forth in such a fun manner. Yeah, the Ten Commandments, Vandana. Yeah, so number one, thou shalt treat all human beings as equal. Number two, thou shalt speak out when thou seest injustice. Number three, thou shalt help thy neighbor in need. Number four, thou shalt shun dishonesty. Number five, thou shalt respect thy neighbor's religion. Number six, thou shalt build bridges, not barriers. Number seven, thou shalt not practice double standards. Number eight, thou shalt always respect women. Number nine, thou shalt not blame many, the many for the sins of a few. And number 10, thou shalt always listen to the voice of thy conscience. Wonderful. You know, Ryle, when a person has a thousand friends, to put it very mildly, how do you reach out to the right people who will actually write you know, that paragraph on him. And there are such interesting personalities, you know, Kabir Bedi's written on him, Sabina Merchant's written on him. Thank heavens, it's a book and there is a word limit. Otherwise, Cyrus Brocha would have again been very difficult to contain and control. <laughs> Who knows that better than you, considering the number of shows that you've done with Brocha. Even somebody like Two Blues, part of the new brigade. So the selection of the people that you wanted to write this, this wonderful paragraph on him and their experiences of him, how, how did you whittle that down? 
So, you know, Rishikesh, like you mentioned, he impacted so many people. So we tried to see, we got a nice cross-section, actually. We got a nice cross-section of people. So whether they were from the theater, from the advertising world, like you mentioned, the younger people, you know, people whose lives he absolutely changed and made more than anything else. People who really also reached out to me and said, you know, when I said I'm writing a book and they, they were so excited by the fact uh, he was in their lives for so long. I mean, even till today, today, I have just sent out a message to a couple of people because I found some photographs. Oh my God, the kind of responses I've got. And it's so heartwarming, you know, it's so lovely to see that he was loved so much and most important, appreciated so much. You know, so when we when we kind of looked at that, so like I mentioned, you know, like Baman was definitely, he started his career in acting yeah. through Alec. Kabir also, you know, Ronnie, like he said himself, you know, he's learned so much from dad, the works. And Sabira, of course, you know, she was like family, definitely theatre family. Cyrus, mad child, 12 years old and uh, inducted into the theatre by my parents. So, you know, it's a huge huge legacy of uh, people, their connects, their love, and uh, their growth, frankly. And that is what he found was the most satisfying for him, that they didn't sit still. They actually went out there and grew themselves. How do you leave stuff out when you have a personality <laughs> like Alec Parthamsi? <laughs> and you have so many hours of content, you know, about which yeah. is so dear to him in his life. It must have been a monstrous job trying to to leave stuff up, you know, putting stuff in. How could you possibly done that, Vandana? It was really difficult to do. There were a couple of things that he gave me as guidelines. He said he wanted this to be a short book. He said he wanted it to be really easy to read. Younger Stan has got to be able to pick it up and understand what it's about. So there were times when, so Alec and I had the most amazing discussions about topics like love, just the different forms of love. Like I love you, but I also love Naturals ice cream. And I love my MG. So what is love? And we could literally have written a thesis just on love. And he was like, you know, Vandana, you and I can do that. We can write that. But that's not for this book. So he left me very strict instructions about what could go in and what couldn't go in. And the family's been so involved. Q, Ryle, Sharon, they've all given me, Shazan, they've given me input. Alec, even during his life, he got me to go and spend time with some of his friends, some of the community, a lot of the people who have written. So I, I could see these common themes coming out and I needed to keep it based on the social norms we wanted to change and and to restart, as you said, Rishi K. So what are the techniques to restart your life and how can he show them from his experience? Ryle, summertime means Ryle's is at the peak of their activity. <laughs> <laughs> so aside from the book, uh, you must be very excited. What what do you have in store for us this particular summer? What is Ace oh. up to in terms of productions? And of course, your wonderful children who you love so much. What are the kind of workshops that one can expect? A full calendar, I imagine. Absolutely, absolutely. So we're going this summer, we're taking the kids off on an experiential journey again across the world. It's called Come Fly With Me with drama this summer. And we're taking them to 
Greece. We're going to uh, New York. We're going to sunset cruise around New York. We're going to Iceland. We're going to see the Northern Lights. We're going in hot air balloons in Turkey. Wow. So it's going to be fantastic. It's online and offline, both across the city and, of course, across the globe because it's online. And there's lots of excitement, intense excitement for summer. So that's really happening there. And since you brought up Cyrus, we're working on a new production with him and Kunal, which says Cyrus and Kunal unmasked, taking uh, their take on the pandemic and life after that, of course. Uh, that's a lot of actual, it's a very experiential kind of experience for the audience because it's very, very interactive. So a lot of people are going to be on stage enacting with them so and it's always fun it's a huge de-stressor you know the kind of times we've had in the last two years so we're actually putting that together curating it right now and even the rehearsals are so much fun that it's chaotic there's no way that we get past even 10 minutes of getting up and doing stuff because Cyrus is off on a tangent Kunal is on some other tangent we're all like you know but it's great it's great it's opening in May so we hope to see you there Rishi K and Vandana you've got to come down for it sure of course we're doing a whole lot of new stuff in terms of the theater we're doing a two-hander with Rohit you know Rohit Roy you know even through the pandemic we worked a lot with our Create Foundation our children from our NGOs and we've really ramped up a lot so we are now teaching 400 children who are differently abled and from marginalized backgrounds. Yeah, we're giving them life skill training. We're doing it through the theater and the creative arts. We're working on communication, creativity, and communication skills. So that is my biggest, biggest, biggest joy because it's in memory of both my parents. They have a very active Instagram handle. It's Ryal Padam Sees Ace. And if you want to book workshops and, you know, these wonderfully curated speech and drama courses, then it's aceproductions.in, aceproductions.in. And you could check out the courses section. So that's all the excitement that Ryal Padam Sees Ace brings to you this particular summer. And let me remind you, let me hijack your mind, restart your life with freedom. Alec Padamsi with Vandana Saxena Poria is out on all online stores. Please go and buy this book. It will change your life. Thank you very much, Vandana. I hope to see you soon the next time you're here down from Pune where you are. And thank you very much, Ryle. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great summer.